Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Today, we are going to have a lot of fun because today is episode 99. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm pretty excited for next week's episode, episode 100. Who knew that when we started this journey that we were going to be together for 100 episodes? Um, But we can't get to 100 until we celebrate 99. And that's what we're going to do today. But I keep going back and forth. But episode 100 is going to be pretty, pretty fun. We're going to have giveaways. We're going to have a party. We're going to be celebrating all week long. So make sure you stick with us next week so that you can join in on that celebration. But today, (laughs) let's go back to today. We are going to celebrate episode 99. And specifically, we're going to talk about taking power away from food. Have you ever said those words before that food has this, you know, this power over you? Um, Some people say it's almost like an addiction. Some people think they can't be trusted around food. Um, Some people say that food is calling their name, you know, from the kitchen. And we give a lot of power to food. Considering it's an inanimate object and can't do anything to us, we give a lot of power to it. We assign power to it. And today I want to teach you how to take that power back. Giving food too much power keeps you stuck. And so I want to teach you specifically, how do you take that power back? What are the steps that you need to do to feel in control again over your diet, over your choices? Uh, And I also want to talk about what doesn't work. For me personally, I struggled with this for a long time. And if I can help you figure out this fairly, I don't want to say fairly quickly because it's going to take some practice. But if I can help you figure it out and eliminate some of that frustration, um, eliminate some of that shame or confusion or whatever it is you're feeling, um, that's what I'm here to do. Every single step of my journey has been worth it if it helps me help another person. And so that's where we're going this week. That's where we're going in this episode. So I used to truly believe this concept that I'm going to teach you in a, in a moment. Like it honestly, you know, if I assumed that this was a truth because I felt this in my bones or I felt this in my soul. And I have a feeling that some of you may think this way too. I used to teach clients, again, because I actually thought this was truth, that there was two camps. I'm going to refer to these camps often in this episode. So I used to teach that there were these two camps. Camp number one is a land where people can eat one piece of an indulgent item. Let's use chocolate, for example. People in camp number one, they can eat one piece of chocolate and be okay. They can walk away after one piece of chocolate. 
Then there's this other camp across the way, camp number two, where these people, once they have a piece of chocolate, they cannot stop and continue until all the chocolate is consumed. They can't just stop at one piece. One piece leads to two pieces, which leads to three, which eventually leads to the entire bag until the chocolate is all gone. And I was a card-carrying member of camp number two. I honestly thought I couldn't be trusted around some of my favorites because I knew once I started eating it, I was going to want all of it. And so I thought in order to, you know, be good, I'll put be good in air quotes, or in order to overcome this challenge that I just constantly was facing all the time, I just thought you can't have the food in the house, right? If you can't be trusted around it, then you can't have it anywhere near you. And I thought this is what it had to look like. I thought that I was predestined to live in camp number two. I didn't know how to get over to camp number one. I wanted to. It looked like those people were having a lot of fun over there. It looked like they were free from, you know, obsession or constantly thinking about food. They just naturally made good choices. But yet, for whatever reason, I was born in camp number two, and so that's where I had to stay. Or so I thought. And guys, I thought this way for a really long time, so much so that I would teach this to clients. And I would ask them, what camp do you live in? Do you live in camp number one? Or do you live in camp number two with me? Because we got to stick together. And how are we going to get through this? And eventually... After working with people and just evaluating my own diet, I realized camp number two is not fun. Camp number two is constantly living in fear that somebody is going to bring food into my presence or I was going to be having a bad day and, you know, a lack of willpower or a moment where I was just going to get food and then I was going to eat all the food. And what, what was today going to be? Who was going to win today? Was it going to be me or was it going to be food? Who's going to come out victorious? Because I honestly thought I did not have a choice. I thought this is just who I was and who I was always going to be. And then I realized that wasn't true. And that's not true for you either. If you are a card-carrying member of camp number two and you don't want to live there anymore, you can go over to camp number one and I'm going to teach you how today. All right. So we're going to have fun today. We're going to learn how to, how to not let food have such power over our decisions and have power over us ultimately. In order to do that well, though, I do need to teach you two things that don't work. Again, if I can, you know, make your journey a little bit quicker than my journey was, that's what I'm going to do. And there are two specific instances where, you know, moving over to camp number one can't happen if these two things are present. And so we first have to get rid of these two things before we can pack our bags and move over to camp number one. And the first thing we have to, to get rid of before we can move is we have to get rid of this notion of underfueling all day long. If you are underfueled, if you are not feeding yourself enough calories all day long, you're not going to be able to move over to camp number one. 
It's just how it is. If you are hungry and you are trying to diet and you are restricting food, specifically, you know, earlier in the day or in the afternoon, it's going to be really hard for you to move over to camp number one. And this is because hunger is going to eventually catch up with you. Hunger will catch up with you. Low blood sugar will catch up with you. And when you are in an instant where you are met with an indulgent food and you try to just have one, your hunger signals are going to take over and you're going to want to eat all of it. You are going to make a challenging situation a hundred times harder. And that's just unnecessary. For so many of us, we want to be good. Again, putting be good in air quotes. I'm going to be good today. I'm going to eat just something small for breakfast or just have a cup of coffee for breakfast. And then for lunch, I'm going to have a salad with grilled chicken. Even though I'm running around like a crazy person, even though I've worked out this morning, even though my job is demanding or the kids are demanding, I'm going to eat practically nothing because I have to be good today if I want to reach a goal right? And then you and I both know what happens after that. Three, four o'clock rolls around. We start munching on some tortilla chips or, you know, we start munching on dinner while we're cooking it. And before we know it, we've had a dinner's worth of calories before dinner. But we've made dinner. (laughs) And because we've made dinner, we have to eat dinner because You know, studies show that our kids do better when we have a family dinner together. And I just put all this work and effort into making it. So I'm going to enjoy it. And then we get to after dinner and we tell ourselves, oh, I'm just going to have one piece of chocolate. And one piece of chocolate turns into two and two turn into 10 because at this point, you know what? I blew it. So let's just get all the chocolate out of the house now because tomorrow I'm going to have to be good and I don't want the temptation around me. If you are underfueled, you will always end up overeating later in the day. And you have to think about when are you allowing yourself some of these indulgent foods? Is it later in the day? Is it when your defenses are down, when you're mentally, physically, emotionally exhausted? It's really unfair to get upset with yourself when you put yourselves in this really precarious situation and not make the right decision or the decision that you want to make, I should say. If you are underfueled, you can't move camps. You have to be fueling yourself all day long. Just like you put gas in a car, you put food in your body. You don't need to overfuel. You don't need to put all the food in your body earlier in the day, but you do need to give yourself sufficient amounts of energy so that you can feel your best. I'm sick of people not eating enough during the day and then getting frustrated that they overeat at night. You can't just not eat at night and not eat during the day. It doesn't work that way. If you ever want to address the evening eating, you first have to address the day eating or the lack thereof. If you want to address the intense cravings where you eat the entire bag of chocolate, you have to first address the the fact that you're not eating enough during the day and you're starving and you're hungry and you're exhausted. We're not going to make our best decisions when we're hungry and exhausted. 
We're just not. So if you want to move camps, you have to unpack first this notion of underfueling yourself, of being good. This has nothing to do with being good. This just has to be with just common sense. You need to feed yourself just like you would feed a child. You have to feed yourself. The second reason why you've never been able to move camps is if you're undersatisfied with your choices, with your food choices. In order to feel satiated, in order to feel satisfied, there's a physical satisfaction, the act of feeling full, but then there's emotional satisfaction or emotional fullness. And that's when you've enjoyed what you've consumed. For a lot of us, when we're dieting or when we're trying to restrict our calories, uh, we're eating foods that we don't even like because we feel like it's just what we have to do if we want to see success, right? I can't eat any of my favorite foods. This has to be just strict chicken and vegetables every single meal or cottage cheese, um, egg whites only. You know, those are all great foods and even better if you like them. But for a lot of us, we're eating foods we don't enjoy and then we're undersatisfied with our meals and then it makes those indulgent foods look all the more appealing and powerful. If you hate cottage cheese and chicken and vegetables and you eat that all day long because that's the only foods you think you're allowed to eat in order to be successful and then a piece of chocolate comes along and you love chocolate, what do you think is going to happen? When it comes to weight loss, we don't have to give up all our favorites. In fact, I encourage you to continue to include them in your diet. If you don't have the emotional satisfaction with your food, the other food, the indulgent foods, are always going to have a spotlight on them. I'd rather, you know what? Okay, I'm going to go off for a little bit here, so bear with me. One thing that bothers me a lot is my fitness pal giving people the option to lose two pounds a week. If you've ever been on my fitness pal, it's a food tracker. It's free. It's great. There are good things about it. But when you set up your account, it gives you options. It says you can either choose to gain weight, to maintain your weight, lose a half a pound a week, lose a pound a week, or lose two pounds a week. What do you think everybody picks? Everybody picks the two pounds a week. Two pounds a week is extremely restricting. I don't know many people that can eat the calories on that platform and lose two pounds a week consistently. It's too low, right? Nobody wants to be patient and lose a half a pound a week. They want Everybody wants the two pounds because I, I just want this over as quickly as possible because I hate it and it's punishing. I don't like the foods. I'm starving all the time right? And then we get frustrated because we can't, we can't follow the plan because the plan is too restrictive. I would much rather you lose half a pound a week than a whole pound a week and be able to do that for the next, the next year, than put two pounds a week, follow it for four days, and then give up because you're starving, hungry, miserable. Guys, I know we want things fast. I get that. But if it's not sustainable, it's not the right plan. 
Remember, you always have to ask yourself, can I see myself doing this five years from now? I know for me personally, I want to enjoy all foods five years from now. I don't want to constantly be in the diet cycle. Gain weight, lose weight, gain weight, lose weight, gain more weight, lose a little bit of weight, gain even more weight, lose a little bit of weight, and and year after year, just slowly inching my way up the scale. I don't want that. And I know you don't want that either. And so we have to figure out a new way a way that includes all foods. Think about what do you want for yourself? What do you want your diet to look like? Right? I want all foods in my diet. I want to eat good, healthy foods that make me feel strong and help me feel energetic. And I also want to be able to enjoy some fun foods every once in a while. Go out to eat. You know, Enjoy cake on my kids' birthdays and my birthday. I want to do all the things under fueling myself or giving myself just a bunch of foods that I don't like, that just does not even sound like fun. That does not even sound sustainable. But yet we do it all the time because we think that's the only way we're ever going to be successful. And I'm telling you, that is a lie. It's a lie. It's just not true. If you need help with that, I want you to reach out to one of the dietitians at Bodymetrics. And we will help you. But a lot of this changes with your mindset. We need to come up with a new way of looking at things. Categorizing foods as good or bad won't work. Right? It won't. Listen, an orange is no better than a piece of chocolate. Not one of them calls your name. Not one of them makes you a better person. Not one of them makes you a better person than somebody else. They're just two objects sitting there on a table. But yet a lot of us will categorize the orange as good and the chocolate as bad. And eventually what happens is when you start eating foods that are good and bad, you start to categorize yourself as good or bad, depending on what you ate that day. And that's a slippery slope. Because after calling yourself bad multiple times a day, multiple times in a week, multiple times a month, after a while, it feels pretty bad calling yourself a bad person all the time. And when you call yourself bad, and when you feel bad, you start to seek out coping strategies. And for a lot of us, that's food. Here's the deal. You assign the power. That food has no power over you. You have assigned that food power. But ultimately, You are in charge. You always have a choice. And the choice is how you think about it. (laughs) In church this morning, our pastor said, perspective is either prison or a passport. And I was like, well, there you go. (laughs) How we think about things is either going to keep us locked in fear, always thinking that this is just who we are and this is how we're going to be, or we can use that, that concept of a different thought and have freedom from fear and freedom from obsession and just enjoy foods, right? It's always about how you decide to think about things, right? At first, I thought that I was always going to live in camp number two. I thought that was my destiny, I realized 
I don't have to think that way anymore. I can live in whatever camp I want. That is my choice. I can choose to no longer categorize foods as good or bad. I can choose to no longer underfuel my body so that I feel good and have energy and have motivation to continue to make good choices. I can choose to include all types of foods in my diet and not eat so few calories that I'm starving, hungry, miserable all the time. Yeah, it may not, you know, my weight loss may not have happened in in three or four weeks. It may have happened over time, but I was a much better person for it. I had a much healthier relationship with food. I also, you know, now, again, this is for me personally, I can speak just for me personally, but I'll tell you, maintenance is not hard. Once you figure this out. I don't know the last time I I yo-yoed my diet and my weight. And that feels amazing to not have to constantly worry about it. Right? We need to be careful and we need to choose carefully the words we say to ourselves or the words we say out loud. If you are constantly saying that food has power over you and you can't be trusted around food, guess what? Your brain will believe whatever you repeat. If you say those words, if you say those words, you know, around your friends or, you know, where your family can hear and you say them enough time, you actually believe that that is a true statement. Just like I used to always say I lived in camp number two. I said it so much, I started teaching other people about it until I realized it was wrong. All right. Sometimes we need to restructure the sentence. Instead of saying that food has power over me or I can't be trusted around food, maybe a new sentence should be, I am in control of, of what goes in my mouth. Or I am in control of my choices every day. At least if you're going to say something, say something true. I have no control over food or food, has, food is calling my name. That's not even a true statement. At least say something true. And say that over and over again until your brain believes it. And that's what I meant by at the top of this episode. I said it's going to take some practice. It's not going to be just a light switch that all of a sudden you hear this podcast and, and now you're never going to struggle with food again. No, you got it takes some practice. Of course it does. But it does get easier. Absolutely. So. What do we need to do to take that power away? Well, I told you, first step is make sure you're not underfueled or you're not undersatisfied with your, in your diet. That's step number one. We've got to correct that first before we can start moving over to more of the proactive steps, right? Again, labeling foods as good or bad, not helpful, not helpful at all. So all that stuff has to go. But this is what I want you to do if you're looking Uh, to move over to camp number one. How is it that some people just have one piece of candy or one piece of an item and feel okay with it? How do you do that? Well, I'm going to give you you a couple things that you can try. Number one, I want you to start including the food. Right? I want you to start including it. Sometimes my clients struggle with wanting something sweet after dinner. I just want that one thing. They hope they don't want it, but inevitably, after that meal, their mouth starts to crave something sweet. 
If that is the case, I want you to include it with your meal. How many pieces of chocolate do you need? Or how many bites of ice cream do you need to just have that taste? What would that look like to you? Right? Actually put it with your dinner. In fact, I tell people, put those two pieces of chocolate on your plate. You're actually going to give it permission to be there. Not, well, I hope I don't need it. But if I do, then I'll have that piece of chocolate. No, 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 no. That doesn't work. If you want to finally come to peace with this and not feel so crazy around it, we have to give ourselves permission to have it and include it. And so I want it sitting on the table, either on your plate or right next to your plate. Don't tell yourself that, well, she said I can have it. So if I really want it, I'll get it out of the pantry and then I'll have it. But hopefully I won't want it today. Don't play that game. That doesn't work actually put it on the plate next to it. So if you want something sweet after dinner, then I want you to go get those two pieces of chocolate or whatever it is that you want and put it on your plate with your dinner. I want you to tell yourself that you have full permission to eat this food, right? So many people come to me for permission to do things. I'm giving you permission to do this right now. You don't need to ask for my permission. Put it on your plate. And then I want you to eat it, right? Don't just put it on your plate and then hope you don't, you don't choose it because you're hoping for more willpower that night. You actually eat it. Give it to yourself, right? If that's what you want, then give it to yourself. I had a client one time. She, she told me she, would, um, she always fell into this trap of wanting something sweet after lunch and after dinner. And so she had a bunch of Hershey Kisses in her pantry and she would, you know, I'll just take two, right? And then like five minutes later, well, I'll just take two more. And then before you know it, she had half the bag. Has that ever happened to you? I'm going to be good. I'm just going to grab one or two. That's it. And then before you know it, you've eaten a lot more than what you set out to do. Yeah. So I told her, put it actually with your plate. I want you to have it. Give yourself permission. You are not a bad person for eating this. You are not in trouble for eating this. You need to eat it. And so she did. And she's like, great. You know, it it was fine. And the second day, do it again. Give yourself permission to eat it. Put it on your plate. And so she did this for a week. And then I checked in with her. I'm like, how's it going? She's like, great, but but now I don't don't know if I really want it. I said, well, what do you mean? She's like, well, it's almost as if it's almost the game's not fun anymore, right? It's, it's the, if I'm allowed to have it and it's not a bad food and I'm not a bad person for having it, I realize sometimes I don't even want it and I'm eating it just because it's there, but not because I'm actually hungry for it or I want it. Is that okay? I was like, yes, that's the whole point. Eventually, the game's not fun anymore. If you give yourself permission to have it, it's, you've taken away its power. It's no longer calling your name because you've actually called it onto your plate. And so over time, she's like, well, I guess I'll put, maybe I'll try just putting one on my plate. And then she realized she didn't want that either. Okay. Over time, giving yourself permission to eat something takes away the power. 
Now, I'm going to share a story with you. This happened recently. This would have never happened a couple years ago. But I decided, you know what? I want to do something just for myself. Don't tell my children this because they don't know it. (laughs) But I bought a bag of Dove chocolate. I was like, you know what? After dinner, I'm going to have a piece of Dove chocolate because I just want something sweet. And my rule for myself is if I'm going to eat this chocolate, I need to eat it in a room where my children are not. And it needs to be savored, which means I'm only going to suck on it until it completely melts in my mouth. And I'm going to give myself a piece of chocolate. I'm not going to think anything bad of it. Um, I just, I want this and I'm going to do it. And so for the first couple days, I had that piece of chocolate, most likely in the laundry room. And I would close my eyes and I would just sit there and enjoy every second of that piece of chocolate until it completely melted. And then I was like, okay, and we're good. And then over time, I I started to forget about the chocolate. I didn't even know that could happen. In fact, that chocolate is still in my work bag to this day. And I probably bought it like five months ago. And honestly, I'm like, who am I? I don't even recognize who I am anymore. Because I lived in Camp 2 for so long, I never thought it was possible to move over to Camp 1. You've got to allow yourself to have this. Give yourself permission, right? Take away the game. There's no fun if you don't play the game. And slowly what will happen is you'll realize it's not that big of a deal anymore. But the more you hold that food in fear, the more powerful it becomes. The more you restrict it, the more powerful it becomes. So you have to do the opposite, Instead of pushing it away stronger, you actually pull it closer to you. That's how you overcome it. All right. So if you're struggling with something, you know, whatever that food may be, give yourself permission to have it. Think about what what does that look like? Two pieces, three pieces, whatever that may be. Put it on your plate. Give yourself 100% permission to eat it. And then just pay attention to your thoughts. And how that starts to change once you give yourself permission. Now, the only other thing I'll say with that is you may want to try doing that at different times of the day. So maybe not just having something sweet after dinner, but have something sweet after breakfast or after lunch or with a snack. We just want to make sure your brain doesn't start to make associations that dinner time is the only time that you get to have indulgent foods. Right? Because then you start making rules that are not helpful and you'll start going down that, that path again. So try mixing it up every once in a while to show your brain that you can be safe all times of the day. All right? So that is how you take power away from food. I'd love for you to try this and then I want you to reach out to me. Let me know if this works for you and you know, let me share in celebrating with you when you make these changes because I love hearing from you guys and I love seeing how um, your mindsets have changed after listening to these podcasts. All right, guys, time for your recipe. I actually forgot that I had this recipe and I love this one so much. I'm really excited that it's for episode 99 Um, and it's a Thai-style mango slaw. I actually got this recipe out of the cookbook Love Real Food by Katherine Taylor. She is um, the author of the blog Cookie and Kate, which is my 
favorite blog of all time. She's a vegetarian, and so I always tell people if you want to eat more vegetables, seek out a really good vegetarian, and it'll change your life. So for this recipe, you're going to need one cup of wild rice. You're going to need four cups of thinly sliced red cabbage, uh, which is about a pound. Guys, go the easy route and just buy the red slaw in the plastic bags. It makes things so much easier. Uh, you're going to need two ripe mangoes diced, one red bell pepper chopped, a half a cup of chopped green onions, which are scallions, and a half a cup of chopped fresh cilantro. And then for the dressing, you're going to need a quarter cup of lime juice, which is about two limes, a tablespoon of olive oil, a tablespoon of sesame oil, two cloves of garlic, minced, a half a teaspoon of sea salt, and a quarter teaspoon of red pepper flakes. So the first thing you're going to do is bring a large pot of water to the boil. You're going to add the rice and cook until uh, it's tender which depending on the rice you purchased could be anywhere from 40 to 55 minutes. If you're buying more of an instant wild rice, obviously it's going to be faster. Just check out the directions on the back of the packaging. All right. Um, and then you're basically, once that rice is cooked, you're going to just set it aside and you're going to assemble the slaw, which is combining the cabbage, mangoes, pepper, green onions, and cilantro in a bowl. And then for the dressing, you're just going to combine all the dressing ingredients. So the lime juice, the olive oil, the sesame oil, the garlic, salt, and red pepper flakes. Next, you're going to just add the warm rice to the slaw ingredients, toss to combine, and then go ahead and drizzle the dressing and toss again. And you can serve that immediately. Uh, the salad does keep well chilled for three to four days. I've I've done both. I've served it right away. I've also prepared it ahead of time. It's one of those salads that does taste better the longer it sits. So, you know, if you're going to have this, you know, if you have guests over, you know, think about making it the day before because it is delicious. All right, guys, that's what I got for you today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you um, again, I was going to say, if you're looking for a dietitian, please reach out to us, right? You can go to our website, bodymetricshealth.com and, you know, learn more about us and, and what we do, but, um, stick with us next week also, because it's going to be a pretty special episode and I'm really excited to share it with you. All right, guys, have a great week and I'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrian Delgado, and I'll see you next week.